So it was around 2009 that I felt God was calling me to be a youth pastor. And at the time, I thought the only thing that you could do to work with students was to be a youth pastor. I didn't think that there was anything else I could do. And so after further discernment and learning, I found that there's a host of things you can do working with students, but I felt God was calling me to be a youth pastor. And when we get a call like that, we know that sometimes doubts happen, right? Doubts start to creep into your mind of whether or not God is actually calling you to do this thing. And so doubts began to flood my mind about whether or not God was calling me to be a youth pastor. And it came heavily during my junior year at Eastern Nazarene College. Uh, for any on you know that junior year is one of the tougher years in any kind of education. Once you junior year, you kind of struggle a little bit. And that's exactly what happened to me. I struggled. I struggled during my junior year. Julia was off at NTS um, working on her master's program. She's like the pro-level editor of all my papers. Uh, and she's basically one of the reasons why I made it through school. Um, and so that lifeline was out in Kansas City working on her stuff, and I was stuck kind of fighting my way through my junior year. And it was during those times that those questions began to flood my mind again. God, are you really calling me to be a youth pastor? Are you sure I can do this? Because I was struggling so badly. And God, of course, answered, yeah, I'm calling you to be a youth pastor. You can do this. And I made it. I made it through my junior year. Um, but my senior year brought the same kind of questions that the end of my junior year did. I had done an internship over the summer. I had worked with a, a church in my hometown with their students, and it was great. I had a blast. It, it kind of brought up my confidence level on this call that God had placed on my life. I was like, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. But senior year came, and the capstone course of my degree, senior seminar, kind of really challenged me. It really, it really got me. You see, during this class, they kind of give you these case studies. And these case studies are from real-life examples of what pastors had to deal with in ministry. And these case studies were really kicking my behind, if I was honest. I was really struggling with this. And again, those questions came. God, are you sure you're calling me to be a youth pastor? Are you sure that I can lead these kids through their spiritual journey? Questions and doubts flooded my mind. And I'm sure I'm the only one who has ever gone through doubts in their life, right? There's no way that y'all have ever gone through doubts in your life about what God has been called you to do. I'm the only one, right? No. We've all been there, right? We've all had doubts about what God was calling us to in life. And we still have to kind of figure out, God, are you really calling me? Am I the right person for the job? I, like, God, it must be the person sitting to my right or sitting to my left. That's who you're really calling, right? I kind of picture it as like the, the rain cloud in cartoons that kind of like once you step over here, it just kind of follows. And you're like, okay, God, I guess uh, I get the hint you're calling me. God's like, you're the person. You're the person for the job. But that's when we start to kind of list in our mind the reasons of why 
God, you can't be choosing me to do this. We kind of come up with these, these, these reasons of why there's no way that you're possibly calling me to do this for your kingdom. It could be what school to go to, what uh, vocation, what profession to choose. It could be a, a person to, to befriend or to build a relationship with. There could be a host of things that God's calling us to do. And we're like, oh, I don't know, God. I don't know if you're calling me to do this. And the good thing to know is that we're not alone in this feeling. Thankfully, we're not the first people to have to deal with whether or not God chose the right person for the job. Today, we're going to look at the prophet Jeremiah and his similar thoughts and feelings about his call that God had placed on his life. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1 and be going through verse 1 to 10. So the prophet Jeremiah chapter 1, we're going to let the first 10 verses. It says, these are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests from the town of Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. The Lord gave his message to Jeremiah in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. The Lord's message continued throughout the reign of King Joachim, Josiah's son, until the 11th year of the reign of King Zedekiah, another of Josiah's sons. In August of that 11th year, the people of Jerusalem were taken away as captives. The Lord gave them this message, gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I cannot speak for you. I am too young. He replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go where I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against the kingdoms and the nations. Some you may have to uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. So we see here in the opening verses, it kind of gives us a little information about who is writing this book that we are reading. It's Jeremiah, son of a priest, Hilkiah, born in the land of Benjamin and Anathoth, just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. And it kind of goes on even further to kind of give us context of where we're at in this history. We see that it's during Jeremiah's time that the Israelites are kind of being this rebellious teenager, right? Teens don't rebel, right? They, don't, they always follow the rules, right? No. We see that Israelites were being those unruly teenagers and not following God's commands. They were worshiping other gods. They were committing adultery. They were giving sacrifices to other gods. And even worse, they were using children during these sacrifices. They were being very hypocritical by worshiping God in God's temple and then leaving and worshiping other gods outside the temple. And the religious leaders, the, the, the priests, the king, the prophets, weren't doing anything to stop them or even to correct them about God's law. They had completely abandoned God's covenant with them and his laws. 
This allowed a lot of social injustice to kind of happen. The orphans, the widows, the immigrants were being taken advantage of, which was clearly a violation of God's law and of the Torah. And it was during this time that these four nations were, were beginning to kind of rise up and kind of clash with one another in, 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 in hopes to get this complete supremacy, to, get to, to, to rule with power. So Assyria, Egypt, Babylon, these nations were battling back and forth with Assyria basically getting wiped out and the Babylonians defeating the Egyptians. So all this is happening and God said, I had enough. I've had enough of this. And so while all this is going on, while, while the nations are battling each other, while Israelites are just being little brats, like God's working. God's in the background moving things around and, and, and finding someone to be his mouthpiece to bring to his people. And it's not just to his people, but to all the nations that are out there. This person is going to bring the message of judgment to God's people. He's going to prophesy the destruction of their holy temple and of God's chosen people. And it's going to happen from this foreign nation that comes from the north. And so God calls on Jeremiah to take on this terrifying and difficult mission. Like this crisis that we're talking about here is one of the most dominant and shaping events of the entire Old Testament. And God's like, Jeremiah, you're the man for the job. You're up. And so Jeremiah receives this news. He receives this call and that he's going to bring this news of judgment, this news of destruction, not only to Israel in its most sacred places, but also to the nations around him. And I think possibly one of Jeremiah's responses could probably go something like this. Me? Really, God? Are you sure you want me to tell the people that you're going to destroy their city? That you're going to destroy their, 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 worshiping, their worshiping spot, this sacred space? And that you're going to use foreign nations to do this? And that they're going to drive them completely out of our land? God's like, yep. That's exactly what's going to happen. Oh, and you're going to tell the other nations that I'm going to destroy them too. So, good luck with that. We're good? It's kind of like one of those things like, I need to sit down and process this a little bit, God. This is a big call that you're, that you're giving me. So how can I do this? And so Jeremiah's response is, Lord, listen, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And I think I like this uh, little interpretation better. Uh, he's like, ah, Lord, wait a second. I can't be this prophesying to the nation Kuiper guy, you know? That's not my spiritual gift. I, I did that little test, you know, to, to determine what the spiritual gifts are. That's not in my top three. So I can't be that guy, you know? God, like, you've seen me in synagogue classes. Rhetoric was not my best subject. I got a C in that. That's average, God. I'm not sure you want me to be your mouthpiece. I think you have the wrong man for the job. Oh, BT dubs, and that's by the way for, for us older folks. By the way, I'm just a teenager. How can I do anything and speak any kind of truth to someone when I'm so young? You have the wrong guy. And I think as 
Jeremiah's kind of thinking of these reasons in his head, God has already kind of laid out his response to Jeremiah before he can even utter these things. He says, before I knew you, I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. He says, way back before you were even thought of, I knew exactly who you were. Before um, you were even formed in your mother's womb, before I knitted you together in your mother's womb, I already had a plan for your life. You'll be my prophet to the nations. I will set you apart to do a special job. You were created for this moment right here. So no, I didn't make a mistake. And no, I didn't choose the wrong guy. However, Jeremiah still tries to convince God, and I think we try to do the same thing, that he isn't the right person for the job. So Jeremiah's response, or let's call it kind of what it is, his excuse reminds me of another excuse that I've heard before. And it comes from another person that God was calling to do something terrifying and something difficult. We've been talking about this guy for the past couple of weeks. Do you know who we're talking about? Moses, right? Moses had that same kind of call that God placed on his life to lead his people out of Egypt. And this is just a thought that I had. Uh, who was here for our movie night, our last movie night? Well, if you wasn't here, we watched uh, The Prince of Egypt. And this is basically kind of like an artistic retelling of Moses' story. And I hadn't seen it in a very long time. And it kind of hit me in a different way. Sometimes when we read God's word, sometimes we don't believe that these are real people, right? That these are just kind of characters made up for a story. And we think that, I don't know, like sometimes it's kind of hard to relate. But when it's kind of put on screen, when it's kind of painted for us, it kind of brings new meaning to it. It kind of gives us a new perspective that this was a real person. And that God is saying that I can use you to do an awesome thing, something that seems so huge, so monumental, I can use you to do an amazing thing. And so it just kind of made it more real for me. Even sometimes pastors like, like God can use me, God can use you, God can use anybody to do anything for his kingdom. And so that just kind of, that's what I was thinking of when I watched that movie. Just, it made it more real, that these are real people. And so we see kind of uh, what Moses' response was, right? Moses' response is, God, choose another person. Don't choose me. I trip over my words. I stutter. I'm like, everything doesn't come out clearly. I can't do this. And God says, no, you can do this. I am going to send you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you exactly what to say. And so that's what he does. He gives them exactly what to say. And I'll jump back to Jeremiah. He says, I don't know how to speak because I am young. And God's response is, to that is, that's nonsense. You were born for this. You were set aside for this very reason. You are going to be my people. You're going to go to my people. You're going to go to the nations and you're going to say what I tell you to say. And you're going to go where they tell you to go, not because I'm a God that's going to force you to do this, but because I'm a God that's going to be with you every single step of the way, and that's going to protect you. And God gives the same thing that he gave Moses 
to Jeremiah. He gave him the words to speak. Verse 9 says, Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. God is telling Jeremiah not to be afraid because God is going to protect you, which he does. And God's going to give you his words to say in every situation, which he did. So Jeremiah's excuse is kind of invalid here. And just like Jeremiah's excuse kind of reminds me of Moses's, the act that God gives Jeremiah his word kind of brings to mind another prophet that had a similar experience with God. You see, the prophet Isaiah's call and experience is similar. Isaiah wanted to be used by God. He says, here I am, Lord, send me. However, just like Jeremiah, Isaiah had some doubts about his call. His main concern was a guilty conscience. It says, woe to me, I cry, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah was confident in his ability and his willingness to be God's mouthpiece, but he doubted his own integrity. He didn't think he was worthy enough. He didn't think he was good enough. And so we see in this experience that the seraphim flew from the altar to touch Isaiah's lips with live coal. And he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sins are atoned for. And so the, the, there was little differences of what happened between Jeremiah and Isaiah. Because when God touches Jeremiah's lips, he isn't taking away sin, but instead giving him the words to say, giving him exactly what he needs. And so God gives us exactly what we need to do the job that he is calling us to do. He's never going to call you to do anything without providing you what you need for this call. Even if it seems uh, impossible or downright scary, God gives us whatever we need to overcome and do what he's called us to do. He has always been faithful in that. And we must be too. But this isn't, this isn't the only excuse that Jeremiah tries to use to kind of disqualify him to be used from God, right? He says, I am only a child. Other translations say, I'm only a teenager. I am a youth. I am too young, right? Take your pick. God, I'm too young for this. Jeremiah is saying, there's no way that you can use me, a teenager, to do this humongous endeavor that you're, you're telling me. There's no way. However, God isn't having the excuses, right? He says, don't give me this stuff, right? Don't give me all this stuff of like, I'm too young to do this. Or I'm too old to do this, right? Makes me think of Sarah. It's like, I'm going to get pregnant at what age? That's not happening, God. She basically laughs. God's like, no, I can use any age to accomplish the call that I have placed on your life. If you don't believe me, check out some of these stories. 10-year-old Addison Gross from Fenton, Michigan, felt compelled to bundle together donations and toiletries, clothes, snacks, blankets into 50 bags after she met her grandpa for the first time. He was very sick. One of his legs had been amputated, and he had been homeless for seven years. The stories that he told her made her feel sad, and she wanted to do something about it. Snuggle sacks was her way to help others who were also homeless, like her grandpa. 
Her nonprofit is handing out 500 bags each month and has already handed out 3,200 survival kits so far. I like seeing how the snuggle sacks really help people, she said. We have met lots of very nice people and see them over and over again. They tell us how happy they are that they got a new pair of socks and gloves and how it helps them stay safe and warm. This makes me feel good. And my brothers and sisters help me every day, so we are very close now. Just one 10-year-old girl seeing a need and meeting it. Or take the, the Kelly brothers who saw a need in their community and so they came up with the idea of backpacks for new beginnings in which this charity kind of provides backpacks and supplies for kids all over the Boston area. They had to do something other than just giving money or donating toys. They wanted to create a charity for kids ran by kids. And so they went out and they fundraised, they shopped, they organized and assembled these backpacks with 30 other volunteers that they had put together. They have donated more than 7,500 backpacks in the past nine years, and there's no sign of them stopping. Two brothers saw a need and wanted to meet that need. And the last kid I'm not gonna talk too much about, but I'm gonna show you instead. His name is Robbie Novak, and he's just another great example of how a kid can impact things to change the world. Since 2013, Robbie, this 13-year-old boy, has been posting videos as kid president. And, he, and it features this optimistic and enthusiastic, enthusiastic addresses from his cardboard over office where he promotes charities and different causes, where he urges people to, to donate clothes and to donate meals to people in need. Check out Robbie. There are lots of ideas how you can change the world. Some people think you should just complain about it. I won't change the world, they'll just make it bad. Some people think you have to have lots of money money, make it rain everywhere you go. Holla for a dollar. Some people think you have to be really loud and yell a lot. It's like with a bullhorn shouting. Hey you, yeah you, do it my way right now, you heard? Other people choose to just make fun of everything. That's dumb, that's dumb, everyone's dumb. It's easy to make fun of stuff, but it's cooler to make stuff. Some people think changing the world can only be done by the smartest person in the world. Just put them in a room, let them figure it out. The solution of world hunger? Food. Wow, that was like so amazing. Some people see the bad in the world and they just decide to ignore it. But that won't help anything. Some people think you have to be really famous and super cool. In fact, lots of people think you have to be really powerful to make a difference. Like being mayor or senator or president. But the truth is, a title doesn't make you more important. The world is changed by you. It's one person filled with love. And they just have to live it out so they do something awesome. Then that person is filled with love and they do something awesome. It just goes on and on and on and on. And the next thing you know, everything's awesome. 
Some people think it's impossible to change the world. It's impossible to change the world. Well, you can see why they could think that. Living in the world with kids who are hungry, people who are homeless, families who aren't happy. I'm just trying to figure it out like everybody else, man. But I do know this, though. Next time you feel overwhelmed or totally alone, remember this. Things don't have to be the way they are. The world is changed by ordinary people. Little people living out big love. And that's what gives the world a reason to dance. So, how do we change the world? At the start of this year, I asked all you guys to make the year more awesome. Time to be awesome as hell! Make this year awesome to somebody else. Whether it's helping the homeless with Socktober, throwing a parade for somebody, or giving an inspired gift. You can see my holiday gift guide by clicking here. You help prove that the internet can be an awesome place. Thank you, but we're not done yet. This coming year, let's show the world what awesome really looks like. I love that kid. He gets it, right? He's using the resources and technology of his day to raise awareness for the least of these in our world. And he does this with this infectious energy despite his osteogenesis and perfect disease. This disease causes bones to be abnormally brittle and fragile. And he has already had over 70 broken bones in his life. However, this doesn't stop him from trying to change the world. He says at the end of the video, love changes everything, so fill the world with it. This 13-year-old kid, kid gets it, right? But somehow the church still is trying to figure it out. This is only a few kids of the possible thousands who are trying to make a difference in the world. It's trying to make the world a better place. And so it doesn't matter that you're young. We see that here. You could be six. You could be 12, 24, 40. You can be as old as Eddie, and you can still do good things for his kingdom. It doesn't matter what your age is. I don't know if any of these kids, if it's mentioned that they have any type of relationship with the Lord or not, but whatever the case, it doesn't stop them from answering a call where they see a need is, needs to be solved. They didn't look around for someone else to do it, right? They didn't wait for someone more experienced to do it or someone who had more education than they did. They didn't think, oh, I don't have enough money. I need to wait till I have enough money. Or I need to wait till I'm older in order to make a real difference in my community. They took it upon themselves because they knew how important it is to love and to help other people. And so we see that God didn't disqualify Jeremiah due to his age or his lack of experience. And he doesn't disqualify us. Jeremiah forgot, like I think we forget, that God is not limited by human weakness, right? God himself possesses everything that Jeremiah and everything that we need to answer his call. In fact, that's usually how God works, right? He enables weak tools to do strong jobs. That's kind of God's standard operating procedures, right? His entire workforce is comprised of unqualified candidates. 
When God calls us to do a job, he gives us all the gifts we need in order to get the job done. It ultimately comes down to one thing, faith. For many of us, Jeremiah's reasons may seem kind of reasonable. They may be valid doubts to have. But God is exposing something in Jeremiah. He's exposing Jeremiah's false humility for what it truly is. That's a lack of faith. And so I'm going to have our worship team come back up to, to play out our closing song. But I want to leave you with a final question this morning. And that question is, what is God calling you to? For Jeremiah, God was calling him to do a dangerous task, to give him this dangerous commission to go out. I appoint you to stand up against the nations and the kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Jeremiah's job description includes six tasks with four of them being negative. To uproot is to dig up the nation by its roots and turn them under. It's a word that Jeremiah uses more than any other biblical writers combined, often to describe the uprooting of this idolatry that was running rampant during his time. He was called to tear down kingdoms, to tear down nations, tear down structures, to destroy them, to overthrow them, to bring to complete ruin. Because once God uproots, tears down, destroys, and overthrows a nation, there's not much left. We see that Jeremiah lived in such an evil time that judgment outweighed grace two to one. But grace always has the final word. It always does. And so the cities of evils that were being tore down and brought to complete ruin, God says, I'm going to start afresh. I'm going to begin a new work. I'm going to use you to build up. I'm going to use you to plant something new. Renewal is going to come out of this destruction. And I'm going to use you, Jeremiah. Jeremiah had his doubts, just like we all have our doubts about what God is calling us to do. But we see that God is always faithful to provide whatever we need in order to fulfill the call that he has placed on our life. He gives us the tools to get the job done. Will the call be difficult? Most likely. I can't say that it's going to be easy. But one thing that God promises is that he's going to journey with us and protect us through it all. So what is God calling you to this morning? Is he calling you to a specific person? I'm sure names and faces probably flood to our mind right now of who God could potentially be calling us to. Loved ones, coworkers, for our students going back to school, maybe that classmate that has always seemed like is being left out. Maybe it's a family member, right? We all have people in our life that need the love and grace of Christ in their life. So maybe God's calling you to reach out to that person. Maybe he's calling you to, to find someone that needs to be mentored, that just needs guidance. And God's saying, I could use you because your story can help them along. Maybe he's calling you to a particular cause or charity. We see kids that created their own charity because they saw a need in their community. We have food pantries. We have soup kitchens. 
We have ministries that are dedicated on finding the lost, the lonely, the broken, and the least of these in our community. Maybe God's calling you to partner with one of them. Or maybe he's calling you to a particular ministry. And I'm not saying that he's calling you to be a pastor. Maybe he is. Maybe he's calling you to help out in our local church ministries. Pastor Julia shared about our midweek connection and all the the programs that we have offered, ones for adults, for kids, for teenagers. Maybe God is calling you to get a part of that and to help lead one of those. Or even crazier, maybe he's calling you to start a ministry. Whatever it is, God has a call for your life. Above and beyond the call to have a relationship with him and to make disciples of all nations, he has called you to something specific. And I challenge you to break down whatever the walls that may be holding you back from accomplishing that call that he has placed on your life. So what is God calling you to? And what is your answer? My prayer for you this morning is that we respond like the prophet Isaiah responds. When God asked, who shall I send? Who will go for me? Isaiah says, here I am, Lord. Send me. Let's pray. Dear my Father, we're so thankful for who you are and what you do in our life, Lord. And we're so thankful for the call that you have bestowed on our life, Lord. Father, sometimes calls are scary. Sometimes they're difficult. Sometimes we come up with ways in which we can just discount ourselves or disqualify ourselves from doing what you called us to do because Maybe we don't think that we're good enough. Maybe we don't think that we have the talent to be able to accomplish. Maybe we don't have the the knowledge to be able to do it. We come up with these lists of things. And honestly, Father, let's kind of call it what it is, Lord. We come up with excuses of why we can't do things. I don't have the time. I don't have the finances. I don't have X, Y, or Z, Lord. But you look at us and say, I can still use you. I can use you to do great and mighty things. It's just gonna take trust. It's just gonna take faith. And so Father, I pray, Lord, that whatever it is you're calling us to, Lord, Father, that you give, it, you give us the strength. You give us the grace. You give us everything that we need in order to get the job done like I know you will, Father. Father, help us to be able to, to reach out to whoever it is you're calling us to reach out to raise awareness to whatever you're calling us to bring awareness to. Help us to be your hands and feet within our communities, within our worlds, Lord. Father, it does not come from us, Lord, because we are weak, but you are a strength and you help us to get through and you're gonna be with us every step of the way to protect us, Lord. So Father, I pray, Lord, that we can start listening to your voice if we have not, and that we can really start believing and have faith to know that you're gonna do a mighty work in and through our lives. Father, we love you. And we can't see, I can't wait to see what you're calling us to. Keep us safe and continue to love us like I know you will. Love you, we praise you, and we'll talk to you later. Amen. Stand with us as we close.
Let it be said of us that the Lord was our passion, that with gladness we bore every cross we were given, that we fought the good fight, that we finished the course, knowing within us the power of the risen Lord. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. By mercy made holy, by the Spirit made strong. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. Till the likeness of Jesus be through us made known. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. Let it be said of us, we were marked by forgiveness, we were known by our love and delighted in meekness. We were ruled by His peace, heeding unity's call. Joined as one body that Christ would be seen by all. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. By mercy made holy, by the Spirit made strong. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. Till the likeness of Jesus through us made known let the cross be our glory and the lord be our soul let it be said of us that we answered the call that god has placed on our hearts and on our lives now go knowing that it doesn't matter how young how old how inexperienced how uneducated God can use you to do a mighty thing for his kingdom, and he'll give you the tools to make it so. Go in peace and go in blessings.